0: power
1: You begin to realize that God is the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet. begin to understand the fact that God knows what he's doing, and he's got something bigger at play than just making us feel comfortable in the moment. Because he wants to grow us up. He loves us. He wants to conform us to be more and more like him, less the way that we are. So all of us, as we're getting older, God is trying to make us younger.
0: Pastor Daniel, we'll teach an interesting concept today as we grow in our walk with Jesus we need to actually become more like children. The closer we draw to our Savior, the more we'll learn to trust Him for everything. He will always provide what we need, even when we can't see how. His love saved us from death and will support us in life. Just as a child trusts without question, so too do we need to have unwavering faith in Jesus. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Jesus Foretold. In Isaiah chapter 53. Jesus, is
1: Jesus being despised was not because of what he did. He chose to take what we deserve. The humiliation that we deserved And he took it upon himself. Notice that word surely. What does surely mean? Surely. I love when I say that. Everyone's just like, what does it mean? I mean, sure. It means absolutely, positively what? He has borne, notice, he bore what? Our griefs. He carried what? Our sorrows. He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. You see, Jesus stood in our place. Now, what's fascinating here is that word, but he was wounded for our transgressions that word wounded literally means he was pierced through do you see how this isn't just like a slight echo this is a megaphone on an amplifier full stacks turned to 11 if you know spinal tap This is Jesus on display. Everyone gets to hear this, that this happened. Jesus received the punishment that we deserve for our iniquities and our transgressions. He bore our grief and we all have it. This is why Jesus is so important, my friends. This is why no matter how culture changes, Jesus and the message of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus is the most important message in the world. Why? Because God realized that all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray all of us. The idea is that see sheep as a species, they herd together and they follow whoever in front. But all of us have strayed in some way. There's not one of us who has it except for Jesus himself. That's why Jesus said, I've always done those things which please my father. None of us can say that. Sometimes we've done things that please our father, I hope, but not always. See, God knows this about us. And God said, look, because you all like sheep have gone astray, that each one of us, we've turned from our own way. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. This is why when I heard the gospel message and when the spirit of God illuminated it to my life, I said, oh, thank you, God. Why? Because I had become very aware of my failings. For a long time, we excused our failings. We justify our families. And then at some point you say, you know what? I just fail a whole lot. And God knows that about us. Anybody here who's trying to say, I don't ever make mistakes. You know, you're lying too. And I'm not just being negative. I'm just being real about it. Right. It's like, it's so funny. Like you ever have like an employee review at work. You ever have one of those? Aren't they the most horrifying things? You know why they're so scary? Because we all know we've gotten some stuff wrong, right? But what happens is we live in a day and age where we want to whitewash over all this stuff. Well, it wasn't really that bad. I only lost the company like $47 million last quarter. But the idea is is that when we look in the mirror of who we are, it's kind of scary. Except what you realize is that God in his love did this. See, what I love about God is he loves with full disclosure. He already knows this stuff about me. And he's like, I love you still. And even though I knew before I was even born, God knew every single breath that I would take. He knew everything I would do wrong. And he said, you know what? I know all of it. And I'm still going to send Jesus on a rescue mission. for you. I'm going to lay on him the iniquity of everyone. This is what it's all about. Peter quotes some of this stuff in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21 to 25, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return, When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So listen, if you're here today, whether in our Southwest Portland campus, whether here in our Vancouver campus, if you're online, if you're watching this message or hearing this on the radio or on social media, here's my question for you. Why not return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul? Why, if you realize that you don't have it all together, that you don't have it right, and if God knew that he would do that and he sent Jesus to receive the punishment that you deserve, why not return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Why not take that step of faith. With the invitation that Jesus is giving you. And say I'm going to take that step in it. And I'm going to allow God. With all of my failings. And all of my brokenness. And all of my struggles. And all of my angst. And all my existential dissonance that I have. And cognitive dissonance. And all these things that I have going on. Why not should I just not come home? See Oftentimes, people say, I'm not going to come home because I want all the answers. But you know the fact that anything that's good, you don't have all the answers up front. People choose a job. You don't know all the things about your job. You don't know everyone you're going to work with. You don't endeavor in anything in life where you know everything before it happens. So why spiritually do you think you have to do the same thing? Anything that's good grows over time. Even if you are absolutely certain you're supposed to marry someone, you learn all sorts of things about them pretty quickly when you get married. Like you didn't know that about him. You didn't see that part of their life. They hid that from you. They didn't FaceTime you when that was going on. <laughs> God wants us to go deep into why Jesus died. I think this is one of the great struggles in our generation today because we live in a soundbite, distracted generation. Right? where we've lost the art of focus, of deep work, of the ability to linger somewhere for a while, right? It's like we live in a day and age where at every break, even a moment break, we pull out our phones or we, you know, we get distracted. God, and listen, I like being distracted like the next person, so I'm not judging anybody. But when was the last time you said, Lord, will you bring me down deep into what the cross really means? Will you allow my heart like a cloth to soak in the dye of the cross that I might take on the very colors and the nuances of what the cross means? Because I literally believe that the finished work of Jesus on the cross is the answer to everything, everything. Everything that is big, everything that is eternal. Sure, it's not the answer to how to make a great deep fried Twinkie. But it may be. It may be. Even as I said, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. But the reality is, in every relationship, in every area of struggle, is not the fact that Jesus received your punishment on the cross even though like a sheep you went astray, even though we hide our faces from him, even though we are not asking for his help, he is proactively redeeming us. Does that not, if we soak our hearts there and we allow the spirit of God to minister these truths to us, will this not change everything? I believe it does. Now, you might say, okay, so Fusco, so we're reading this, and yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff, and, but how do you really know that it's Jesus? Well, listen to what it says in verse 7 of Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit found in his mouth. My friends, this is the cross foretold. This whole chapter, but specifically as we move into these verses, we find details about the death and the cross of Jesus that are very, very specific. The idea of him being oppressed and afflicted. If you read the gospel accounts of Jesus' mock trials, the kangaroo court that he was in, is a classic case of oppression. Whether it's the Jewish leaders or it was Pontius Pilate, or it was Herod. All of them were using their power to suppress something that they didn't understand or didn't like, and there was no merit to what they were saying. Classic oppression. And not only oppression, but affliction. Jesus was brutally beaten and tortured, yet he opened not his mouth. reminds me, of course, of Matthew 27 verses 12 to 14 where it says and while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders he answered nothing and then Pilate said to him do you not hear how many things they testify against you and he answered him not one word so the governor marveled greatly if there was ever a person who could plead his case it was Jesus of Nazareth if there was ever a person who could write down just spell out every mistake every single person who was accusing him ever could it was Jesus but Jesus didn't say anything Why? Because he knew that his plan was greater than just proving what they were doing was wrong. He was going to take the very wrong that they were perpetrating and he was going to crucify it in himself on his own body. This is what Jesus is interested in. Not being right, but transforming the world. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. All through the Bible, Jesus is called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's how John the Baptist speaks of him. So he's like a lamb who's being led to the slaughter. And of course, in that culture, it says, as a sheep before it shears his silence, he opened not his mouth. In that culture, they saw sheep being sheared all the time. So Jesus doesn't say anything. Notice he was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living. Now you have to realize Jesus being cut off from the land of the living. Nobody took his life. He gave it. He gave it. He wanted to do this. Why did it happen? For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. See, notice how God's speaks For the transgressions of my people. See, this is the love of our God saying my people have failed and I am going to strike my son in their place. Notice verse nine. I mean, it's powerful, this stuff. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Jesus was crucified with two thieves on either side of him. He was killed amongst the wicked, but where was he buried? Amongst the rich. Listen to what it says in Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. Now when evening had come, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. The man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a linen, a clean linen cloth, And he laid it in a new tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and he departed. Fascinating. Joseph Arimathea, who was a rich man, buried Jesus in the tomb of a wealthy person. Did you ever read that stuff and realize that this all happened in the fulfillment of a prophecy that was given some 700 years before Jesus even was born? Is that not provocative? Is that not something that makes you think to yourself, maybe there's something to this Jesus guy. Does this make you think for a second? Maybe God knows exactly what he's doing. And maybe I'm just coming around to that. And I realize all of us are in process. There's not one of us whose faith is fully formed. The person who's been walking with Jesus here the longest is still trying to learn how to become as a little child that you may enter the kingdom. Because you know what happens with little children. I love this so much. I see this every day raising our kids, Lynn and I. Is that especially our youngest, Annabelle. She's three years old. She is so completely trusting in every situation. We just had it the other day. We have a little sign on our door that says, don't knock. We have, It's fun, unless you're a Girl Scout. If you have Thin Mints, then you can knock. Everyone else... I got this great little sign on eBay. It's super fun. It says, you know, we like our vacuum and our kids spend all of our money and we have found Jesus. They got all these things on it, you know? But it says, if you have Thin Mints, you can knock. And, and so, but someone didn't read the door or they did, but they chose to knock anyway, which kind of freaks me out a little bit. But what was funny is Annabelle answered the door. And so there's nothing more fun when you go to someone's house and their three-year-old answers. So this guy who knocks, pest control guy, says, are you the boss? She says, yep. So classic. Now I'm sitting in the other room watching this, and he's like, "You're the boss." She's like, "Absolutely." And Annabelle just starts talking to this dude, right now. Unless you know Annabelle, she kind of talks like a chipmunk from Alvin and Chipmunks. Unless you know her language, it's some of it you don't get, and she's going on and on and on and on. I'm thinking to myself, this is both beautiful and terrifying, right? Because she doesn't know this guy, she's the boss, and you know. And she's not scared of him at all. And what's beautiful is that Annabelle's not scared of anybody. She can walk into any situation. She's completely trusting. And what's amazing is, it's, I say it's terrifying because I've been around long enough. And you realize that not everyone's plans are beautiful. Not everyone's intentions are right. But what happens is, because we live in a broken world, we begin to be suspicious of God, too. We translate the fact that everybody in our world might have ill intentions for us. And then when it comes to God, we don't trust him because everyone else has treated us poorly. When God has done everything to take care of us. So one of the things that God is doing in all of our lives is trying to bring us back to a childlike innocence and simplicity that we just trust. Him, not trust everybody. God doesn't want us to be naive about the world he wants us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves but with him he wants us to be simply trusting he wants us when god says this in his word we say okay lord when god says look i want you to be generous with your finances and i want you to serve me and you say but lord but lord this lord that lord don't you know about this god i got this bill and this thing and we have all these reasons why right rather than just simply saying i trust you lord now, I use the finance as one because there's nothing more challenging for all of us than the bottom line in the checkbook or on the online banking. Those numbers don't lie. But you know what happens when we learn how to trust God innocently? You begin to realize that God is the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet. You begin to understand the fact that God knows what he's doing and he's got something bigger at play than just making us feel comfortable in the moment. Because he wants to grow us up. He loves us. He wants to conform us to be more and more like him, less the way that we are. So all of us, as we're getting older, God is trying to make us younger. As we become more mature, Biblical maturity is not understanding the ways of the world. It's saying the world works this way, but my God works another way. I mean, you think about when the Lord says that we should pray without ceasing. Is there anything more offensive to contemporary society that I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to talk to God in a closet? The number of times something goes on, you're like, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray. Well, I'm going to go do something that's necessary as if prayer isn't necessary. But God says, you want answers? Pray. He didn't say, pray and thank God for Google every day. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't use Google. I'm not over exaggerating. But the idea is that God is the wisest person in the world. All the wisdom, whatever is actually true on the internet, God knew it already. And God can be trusted. But the struggle that you and I have, of course, is that there's a part of us that doesn't trust him. Because there's no one else in the world who we can trust He's the only one who is completely faithful, completely trustworthy. And when you start reading this stuff, you realize, talk about a megaphone, an amplifier. Talk about an amplifier of Jesus 700 years before, down to the very detail. Now, this beautiful chapter closes in this way. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will devoid him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What we learn here is that although Jesus was crushed, although he was pierced through, although his stripes were given to him, we learn that Jesus is absolutely victorious. He's victorious. How do I know? Amen. Because in verses 10 to 12, we are reminded, we are reminded that through Jesus' death comes life. Although He decidedly dies, it says in verse 10, He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. See, all of this is a discussion of life after death. It doesn't explicitly say resurrection, but everything in these verses say Jesus sees the finished work that he did. How do you have a spoil without being a victor? See, Jesus is absolutely, positively victorious. Now, Listen. Romans chapter five says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification to life. My friends, what this means is simple. It means that although all of us like sheep have gone astray, although all of us have Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus will be justified. And that word justified means just as if I'd never failed. That we go from being guilty to not guilty all because why? Jesus stood in the guilty place on the cross and he conquered sin and death. Jesus
0: is... Pastor Daniel's message today reminded us just how much Jesus loves us. He endured ridicule and false accusations, being rejected by the world, all so that he could save us from our sins. He didn't try to justify himself or shift the blame, but willingly went to the cross for us. Jesus instills his strength and comfort on us through the Holy Spirit when we decide to follow him so that we too can endure anything. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will extend to us an invitation to go deeper with Jesus. This invitation is one that's available right now and is offered to everyone, no matter the past. Jesus wants to create a new and thriving person in each of us and has plans that will bless many through us. We just need to be willing to take him up on that offer and then let him fill us up and make us new. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Echoes. Until then, may God bless.